You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Well, happy Friday to you. This is an emergency episode of Sixers Daily. I'm your host, Jazz Kang. Big news, well, not news, but rumor coming down the pipeline from Shams from The Athletic. We're going to jump into that. Before I do, though, don't forget, subscribe to Liberty Ballers Podcast Network, the NBA trade deadline, now less than a week away. We're going to have you covered with wall-to-wall coverage on deadline day, which is on Thursday. And, of course, check us out at libertyballers.com, the man behind a lot of the magic you see at the website, Mr. Paul Hudrick. Paul, I'm sitting here. I worked for a few hours this morning. I was going to cover the game tonight against the Mavericks, which is coming up at 7 on Friday evening. About to watch Batman Begins for the 432nd time. And mm. then I check Twitter and this comes up. The news is, if you haven't heard, Sham saying that a James Harden to the Sixers deal involving Ben Simmons, not to say anything is imminent, not to say the two sides are close on a deal, but saying that the Nets now open to trade talks, something that we heard about a week and a half ago from Woj from ESPN that is not going to happen. Paul. What did you make of this when you when you read Shams's article? And how are you feeling right now? That's that's probably should be question number one. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm blown away. I, I am I'm shocked that this is coming out that the Nets are willing because we I mean, it's the worst kept secret ever that the Sixers and Daryl Morey want James Harden. Um, first of all, like every team would want James Harden, but especially obviously Morey and their previous relationship and what Morey did in acquiring him and getting him to go to Houston. Like everyone knew that if Maury could get his hands on Harden, whether it be now or, you know, more likely the summer, it seemed like um, Maury was going to try to do that. But the fact that now we're hearing from the Nets side of things that they're willing to talk, that's my, like, I, I can't believe it. Um, I, I mean, but I guess we shouldn't be like super shocked. I mean, what James Harden, I think scored four points the other night in 37 minutes. Like, and he had some pretty disparaging things to say about the team and where they are and all that. So like clearly, all the smoke we saw, you know, Jake Fisher from Bleacher Report did some great reporting. You had him on, um, you know, a week or so ago on your pod. Like the fact that Harden, you know, it, it's been out there. He's not happy. And I think this just furthers the fact because like to me, this signals that the Nets are getting the sense that James Harden is not happy. And you see what the product looks like on the court and it's not good. Um, and Jazz, when I when I read through kind of when I read like the Nets portion of it, of like why the Nets are listening right now, all this about roster balance and, you know, and I get it from the sense of, okay, you have K you have KD, you have Kyrie, two of the best offensive players of the game. You get a Ben Simmons who, you know, arguably is the best defensive player in the game. That's a pretty damn good trio. Like that makes a lot of sense of those three playing together. Um, and, and maybe it does in a way make a little bit more sense than Harden, but like, that like the fact that you know the roster balance point and then also like oh James doesn't play James Harden doesn't play at like the pace that the free-flowing Steve Nash offense wants James Harden buddy 
uh, like Daryl Morey and Doc Rivers were like, you play at whatever the hell pace you want. Just get us wins. Um, <laughs> so it's like to me, but like I say all that to like, where do the Nets go from here? What Like now you're saying the reports are out that you're one now open to discussing trading him before the deadline, which has not been the case. You were very adamant that that was not the deal that you, that you were not going to trade him. Two, you're kind of throwing shade at him, saying that, one, he might not be the most perfect fit, and that, two, he doesn't really fit with Steve Nash, the head coach, and his offense, and doesn't fit their organic flowing offense. So now how do you, now as the Nets, go back to James Harden and say, like, hey, you know what, we're not trading. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, they're, it's already a bad situation, an awkward situation that seems like it's ready to boil, and now I don't feel like this report is going to help James Harden or the Nets, so... I like, and I don't want to get my hopes up either because who knows what's going to happen, but man, um, this it's, it's, it, it's shocking. But then at the same time, it makes sense. If that, if that makes any sense. No, I, you know, I'm with you, Paul, because I've seen this watching and you see a ton of, of clips come up of Harden speaking after games, especially after losses where he looks dejected. Not every player, obviously most every player in the NBA after losses is, is, is going to be a little bit upset, but I, to me, it's the fit. Right. And you look at a guy like Harden at a primary ball handler. And like, and like I mentioned, that 2018 19 season, uh, second in usage rate all time in NBA history, it seems like the game he wants to play is a little bit slow it down, a little bit more ISO ball. Obviously, getting a, a guy like Joel Embiid, you know, doing pick and roll, pick and pop with him, I think that would almost be unstoppable. And so you've, I've kind of seen that frustration from Harden in the sense that he's not enjoying himself. Right. Like it just doesn't look like he's enjoying playing in Nash's style. There's been questions about Nash's rotations and how he's trying to stay with a hot hand rather than going with a set uh, finishing lineup. And so you're seeing this frustration from him. And it does make sense. It's like eventually, if he's going to leave, we may as well cash in our chips. And, you know, look at Brooklyn, not a great defensive team by any metrics. I believe they're, what are they right now? 19th against, uh, in terms of 19th in the league in terms of points per game allowed, 18th in defensive rating. So, Getting a guy like Ben Simmons, maybe Matisse Thibault's thrown in there. You know, you're looking at that. You're like, that will hugely improve them. And if Durant is healthy and Kyrie's vaccination status gets cleared up before the playoffs, it's like you still have two legitimate top 10, 15 talents in the NBA. And you're going to have Ben Simmons, who can obviously what we saw last year in the playoffs doesn't necessarily want to be this focal point of an offense in terms of scoring. So to me, it's like this deal makes sense if Harden's already there that he doesn't feel comfortable in the system that Nash is playing for sure. And like, you know, say whatever we want about Ben Simmons and, and I get it. Like, like you just pointed out in the playoffs that, you know, the lasting image he'll, that Sixers fans will have is of him passing up an open dunk in a game seven. And I get it. I get why that will be the image, but at the same time, we, we sometimes we almost talk about Ben Simmons as if he's like a zero on offense. Like he's still a, a, oh, he's a great can, facilitator, right? Right. Like he yeah, can still yeah. add a lot, especially like to your point, he's a great facilitator. So you have two of the game's best scorers. Here's a guy that can get him the basketball. Um, uh, so, I mean, that, that, and then on top of that, like you already mentioned, play elite, elite defense on the other end and really bolster their unit. And he's so versatile to Ben where he can kind of play basically one through five on the floor um, as a pick and roll and uh, pick and roll partner for either guy, Katie or Irving. That, that's an excellent, excellent fit. So from an offensive standpoint, even I, I see how perhaps Simmons could fit better than Harden. And then, yeah, when you talk about the Sixer side of things, you exactly like how, how the hell is a defense going to stop James Harden and Joel Embiid in a pick and roll? Now, 
I know what some people might push back and say is that Joel Embiid is not really a roller. It's not like what he's done. It's not what he's preferred to do. I have this funny feeling, Jazz, that if James Harden comes here and says, hey, Joe, would you mind rolling to the basket every once in a while? <laughs> Joe will say, sure, sounds good. Um, and when, because here's the thing, too, as much as that's the case, I think a lot of that has to do with the point guards that Embiid has had to play with. Because, you know, with, James, with, with, with Ben Simmons, the pick and roll ain't going to work. Um, and with most of the guards the Sixers have had, it ain't going to work other than Jimmy Butler. Yeah, the defense which is going to go under it most of the time. Right, yeah. exactly. Every time they're going to go under it. So, and you've seen actually with Maxi that Joe has had a willingness to roll to the rim every once in a while. So my, my hunch is that if James Harden gets into the mix, uh, he'll be happy to roll for James. And then I just think too, Jazz, like my big thing is I really hope Doc Rivers staggers them if this happens like dear god please stagger these two and have one of them on the floor at all times because then it, what does the opposing defense do if you have one of either of these guys on the floor at all time a guy who you you know the odds on mvp favor right now with a guy who's already won an mvp like i, I don't know how you stop that so you know i i from both sides, I get it. Now, one thing you mentioned, you know, are they going to have to throw Matisse Seibel? And they're like, I, I, I'm curious what the Nets would want. Now, of course, if I'm Sean Marks, the first thing I'm saying is, okay, I want Ben Simmons and Tyrese Maxey. And my guess would be Darren Moore would come, be like, come back and be like, uh, yeah, no, F you. Like, that's not happening. So I'm curious what the Nets would ask for. And then I'm curious where, like, where they would wind up. Like, what would be the full-on asking price? Clearly, the fr the framework is James Harden for Ben Simmons, but then what other parts you would assume would be other parts that they go to Brooklyn? What would they be? Well, Paul, that takes me to my next question, and, and you mentioned Matisse Thybul. Shams mentioned uh, some of the other guys in his in his story as well were Seth Curry and of course Tyrese Maxey. And we've seen how good Tyrese Maxey has been this season, has developed not only from his rookie year, but even the beginning of this season. Like, you remember where he was at in October, November, Paul? He looks a lot more comfortable now in that role as the one. You know what I mean? And so you've Absolutely. seen this kid grow, uh, going to be a part of the Young Stars contest. Might be something in the long run, might mean nothing because we've had some terrible players appear in the Young Stars turn out to be nothing. But I'm not saying anything bad about Maxi in that regard. So when you're looking at a potential package in return that Maury could be trying to come up with, how hard would you be trying not to include Maxi in, in on it or... If the Nets say, hey, it's a non-starter without talking about Tyrese Maxey, would you hesitate at all to include him? Yeah, I mean, I still would hesitate. Um, would I ultimately do it? I still might um, because I think James Harden is that good. Even though he struggled this year, he's that good. Uh, and he does have the potential. Again, with Joel Embiid, you're a title contender. I mean, right now, as I sit here, I, I, you and I have, have both agreed that they're a second-round team right now as they're currently constructed. You add James Harden to the mix, no matter who you take away from the Sixers roster right now, they are a title. Con like they can beat to me, in my opinion, they could beat anyone like they are a title contender. Now, I would say, too, if, if you're Maury and Marks and that's what Marks comes back and says to you, he says, listen, if it's if it's if it's not Tyrese Maxey with Simmons, then it's a non-starter. We're not we're not going to have these talks. The, the point Maury could bring up is, well, James Harden is a free agent, so no matter how much there is smoke about him wanting to come to Philadelphia and yada, yada, and him wanting to test the free agent market and all that, there's no guarantee that James Harden is going to be here after this year. So you might be paying for a rental, in which case, actually, Ben Simmons for Harden would be kind of a high price for just a rental player. So from that standpoint, I think that's where Maury can maybe have some pushback to say, no, I don't want to give you Tyrese Maxey because 
I don't know if James 100% intends to sign here. I don't know what's going to happen over the next few months. What if he gets here and it doesn't work out with Joel Embiid and then he decides to sign elsewhere and then I'm left with nothing. So from that standpoint, I, I think Daryl has a reasonable argument to push back. Um, with that said, I mean, for me, Jazz, Maxi might be the only guy that I would feel that way about. Um, Matisse Thibel is a hell of a good young defensive player. If that's the difference between getting Harden or not, then I'm sending Thibel. Same with like Seth Curry's been great here. It was such a great trade that they made with the Mavericks. Completely, completely fleeced um, the Mavericks. And um, he's Seth has really has done much better than I anticipated he would be. He plays so well next to Joel Embiid. But again, if that's the only thing stopping you from getting a James Harden, yeah, I, I don't even think twice. So Maxi, it, it would give me pause. I'd really have to think about it. I don't know if I would ultimately pull the trigger. Anyone else on the roster? I, I don't even think twice. Yeah, because even if you look at Seth Curry, like again, he's he's having a nice season, uh, playing well, shooting the rock excellently. You know, especially from beyond the arc. But again, you get James Harden. Sure, it would be nice to maybe have Curry come off the bench, but you know, his starting spot is gone as a two. You know what I mean? Like right away, I think if if that's where you want to play Harden, uh, or you can even have Harden be the main facilitator, have Maxi bring the ball at the court just to have somebody a little bit quicker uh, who could break down guys in case there is well, a here's, little bit of pressure. Yeah, go ahead. Here's the thing, Jazz. Here's the thing. I, I know, uh, like I'm, I'm talking to you Sixers fans right now. I know that you're not used to it, but it is legal in the NBA to have two players on the floor that can dribble <laughs> a basketball and shoot it and pass it. You're allowed to have multiple guys on the floor that can do that. So <laughs> I have no hesitation playing James Harden and Tyrese Maxey together. In fact, I can see them flourishing because um, one thing I think always gets underrated about James Harden is that he's an outstanding passer. This is a guy yes. who averages double digit assists. He's one of the best passers in the league. So um, you put him with Maxi, and Maxi is more of an attacking scoring guy, although he has improved as a point guard, as, as you mentioned off the top. But yeah, I, I'd have no hesitation with those two playing together. Oh, yeah, I think it would be a great. And I think, you know, Maxi, again, you can have him. And de depending on how you stagger the minutes, we have seen Maxi and Joel Embiid look a little bit better in, over the last month or so in terms of getting their chemistry and timing down. So, again, you, you, you're not going to be fearful of that. And you're always going to either have Harden or Maxi on the court at all times. And again, you would like to probably stagger Harden and, and, and bead as well. So you're in a pretty good spot. And and you mentioned there, you know, Harden does have a player option for 2022 elected not to resign. So he's eligible for a four-year extension could be up to worth $227 million. So again, the Sixers would have to make the, the cap space work. They'd have to get rid of obviously Ben Simmons plus plus in, in order to figure that out. But looking at this again for the long run, Paul and Kyle Newback um, of the Philly voice brought, brought this up. In, uh, in, a, in a recent article he just wrote a few minutes ago, I saw it come down the pipeline. But okay, like you mentioned, Harden could opt out and just say, hey, you know what? I, I, I don't want to resign here. Take your chances. D does that give you any pause for, as, as Daryl Morey in the sense of, hey, you know what? I want to look at this and take my time and I don't necessarily want to include Tyrese Maxey. So you can go ahead and keep Harden for the rest of this year. We're going to sign him in the off season, which of course would probably get uh, consist of them getting rid of Ben, probably trying to offload Tobias Harris's contract along with some future assets. But again, that's a far way down the line, but would you look at this because Harden could be a free agent this off season and, and elects to go somewhere else that if you're Maury, would that give you pause to meet the Brook, uh, Brooklyn's asking price? So again, yeah, I'll go back to it's just it, to me the only guy that I would be hesitant with would be Maxi. Uh, I mean that's it, and and that would be again that would be my pushback if I'm Darren Morey is I don't know if he's going to opt in and, and want to play another year here. I don't know that he's going to want to sign a long term contract here. I I don't know any of that right now. And even if he tells me 
even if James Harden calls Darren Moore today and says, yeah, yeah, when you make the trade, I am going to sign a, a, a max extension with you this offseason. That's still not a guarantee. Kyrie Irving said he was going to be a Celtic for the rest of his career. Like, n- none of that. It's all talk <laughs> yeah, until it's in writing. Kyrie, so, yeah. like, what's that? I said good old Kyrie, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, but, like, until that's until the, the ink is dry, like, you can't guarantee that. So that's why I would have hesitation meeting the asking price if the asking price includes Tyrese Maxey. Now, if it's again, like if it's Thibel and Kerry, yeah, I, I, you know, I wouldn't feel great about it, but I'd probably ultimately do it just because again, when we're talking about Harden, like that's, that is a game changing player. Um, and I, I would say too, again, the other thing I will push back on the nets as well is like, Hey, James is great, but maybe he's not as great as he was. So like, I'm not trading for the guy who was the MVP a few years ago. I'm trading for the guy who's playing right now. And the guy who's playing right now um, has a lingering hamstring issue, um, you know, has been banged up, hasn't played to the level that that he has played. I mean, you still want him with all that said, but I think those are things that when you, you know, figure that into the calculus of an entire trade, these are points that Maury can make to Sean Marks to say like, yes, I really want James Harden, but, I think, you know, his value right now um, is not, you know, what it was when I wanted him, you know, six months ago or, you know, a year ago or whatever, when the, when the trade went down with the Nets, uh, the Nets and the Rockets, like his value is not that right now. You know what I mean? Like mm. he's a little bit older and he's not had a good season and he's, and he's going into a walk here. So all of that, yes, is 100% a factor. But to me, if I'm down more, that doesn't preclude me from doing it, but it does give me a talking point to push back if Mark's asked for a little too much. Paul, I want to jump into a few more things. We'll talk a little bit more about Harden and also some other little tidbits that Shams included in piece in his piece, pardon me, on The Athletic uh, regarding the Timberwolves, the Atlanta Hawks. We'll do that after a short break. All right, and we're back. Paul, a quick question for you as well, staying on the Harden topic here. He's 32 years old, going to be 33 before the start of next season, and you have Joel Embiid still in his prime, entering his prime in terms of what the NBA typical prime age looks like. He'll be 28 next month. But looking at this, is there any drawback because Harden's going to be 33? Like, would you look at that and think, okay, I'm going to have a little bit of reservation of giving this guy, you know, up to 50, $60 million a year eventually on his contract that he could be at age 37 and you're not going to have the same player. Is there any drawback from, from your part? Or are you looking at this and say, let's go all in on a championship. We have Joel. We know we should, you know, barring injury or anything like that, that we should have a very good James Harden for the next two or three seasons. Yeah, and I think that's that's the main thing, Jazz. Is like you'll you'll suffer through that because it just makes your championship window so much better for the next. Like, would you rather you know be a legitimate championship contender for the next three years, or would you rather just be like really good for the next ten? And it's like, well, I'd rather have that championship window for the next two or three years uh, with a guy like Harden. But I, it's a risk. I mean, it, it's 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 very very much a risk to go after Harden um, at, at 33 years old and with some of the things we've already talked about. And again, and I'm going to keep saying it, but like, this is, this is the stuff where if you're Maury, like you don't, you shouldn't have to pony up. You shouldn't have to give away a ton because Ben Simmons already has a lot of value. Ben Simmons is a three-time all-star and the Nets are getting that. The Nets are getting a guy who was a runner up for defensive player of the year, who is a, who's probably going to be in the running for defensive player of the year for the next decade. And he's signed. Um, he, you know, he can't go anywhere unless he demands, you know, unless someone insults him jazz and, he, you know, asks for another <laughs> trade of the year. Yeah, no, but um, yeah, I, I so like, it's a risk. Like it's 100% a risk. This is not, you know, but the thing is 
what what isn't a risk, right? Like if, if you do it, if you let's say the Wizards see this and they're like, oh man, well maybe we should get in on this so we can, you know, maybe this is our opportunity to get the best thing we can get for Beal. If you trade for Beal, that's a risk because he's 28 years old, but he's having a down year and he's a free agent. Um, you know, any of the guys that you can think of, there is inherent risk in trading for him. If you do the the Kings package and they and they say, okay, well you can have Halliburton. We all think Halliburton's going to be really good, but we don't know that. Like, we don't know what he's going to be like in five years. And we don't know that he's going to help Joel Embiid win a championship right now. So, like, no matter what you do, there is going to be risk. But I think in Harden's case, it's worth it to take that risk because you said, like you said, we're talking probably at least a couple more years of elite play to play with Joel Embiid at an MVP level. Like, that to me, you know, that's that's a championship caliber team. That's worth taking a shot with. Yeah, Paul, you you brought this up earlier too in the conversation about Ben Simmons. Like people talk about him like he's a baloney sandwich. He's not. You know what I mean? Right. He's a, he's a very very good player. Signed for three more seasons, he'll be an unrestricted free agent twenty twenty five, which is and he'll only be twenty nine years old, so still very much in his athletic prime. Uh, going back to also now to what you're saying about Harden, you know, I this is an easy answer for me. I assume it's going to be for you as well. Any preference or how much would you would you sway towards one or the other in terms of? Uh, Harden or Bradley Beal, is there anyone that you prefer out of those two that you think would be the better fit? I think just flat out Harden's the better player and Harden's done it, you know, with all due respect to Bradley Beal. And, you know, I know James Harden hasn't won a championship, but he came pretty damn close to taking down the Warriors a few years back. I mean, if it's if it's not for that Warriors dynasty, Harden might have a ring already. Um, mm-hmm. You know, yeah, granted, he hasn't he, he hasn't always been the greatest playoff performer, but um, he's taken some teams pretty damn far. Uh, so from that perspective of just thinking for me that I think James Harden is a better player and then also a better playmaker at like, as we discussed, he's, he's a really underrated passer. So we, you basically give him the keys and let him run your offense. Whereas Beal is, is much, much, much improved in that regard. I, I don't quote trust him as much with that. And with making sure that MB gets his touch. That's the other thing too. I think Harden's good with like, like I think he'll understand like, all right, Joe is hot. I got to get in the ball. I, I think he'll, like, whereas Beal, I think, maybe won't be as good with feeling that out and and because he just doesn't have that, like, point guard mentality. So from that perspective, I would say I prefer Harden. Now, the age, it, it, it is a difference. I mean, that's it's five years. So that's a pretty big deal. So if if the Wizards now call me, if Tommy Shepard calls Darren Morey and says, hey, like, well, maybe we, we will discuss Beal now, um, it's worth having the conversation. It's worth debating it because – to your kind of point earlier, maybe this extends the maybe with Beal, you extend the championship beyond two years. Maybe it's more like a five year window. Like maybe you have it for as long as him and a beat are together. That's a championship window. So that's it's certainly worth debating. But I would say right now, I believe that James Harden is the better player and gives the Sixers a better champ, chance at winning a championship right now this season. One, one more question for you, Paul, on the Harden Beal front. If Brooklyn says, Ben plus plus plus, and that includes Tyrese Maxey. That's the package you're willing to take for Harden. Or Washington looks at it and says, "Okay, you don't have to include Tyrese Maxey. Give us Ben plus whatever." Would you still want Harden over Beal at that point? No. If if that if that were to happen, if I could get Beal without without giving up Maxey and the Nets want Maxey, no, I, I would. I think in that standpoint, you're holding on to an extreme. Because the thing is with Maxey too. And, um, you know, avert your ears, some people in Philadelphia, because I know how much he's beloved. But like, not only is he good and is he good right now and can he help you for the future? But if there's another deal to be made, what an 
unbelievably attractive trade piece, right? Mm-hmm. Um, a, a 21-year-old guard who looks like he's on the cusp of being an all-star. So let's say you get Bradley Beal um, uh, in here and you don't have to give up Maxi. Maybe over the summer you package Maxi with Tobias Harris and you get a third superstar. Like, not saying that's a definitive thing or like that's even possible, sure, yeah. but like, what if Portland calls you and says, okay, if you give us Maxi and Tobias, we'll give you Dame Lillard and you're going with Dame Brad Beal and Embi- you know what I mean? Like, it's ridiculous. It's, it's pie in the sky stuff, but it's just holding on to Maxi. If I can do that while still getting Beal as opposed to giving Maxi up to get Harden, yeah, I, that would make me lean towards acquiring Beal. Well, Paul, I think some Sixers fans would have an orgasm if it ended up being Lillard, <laughs> Lillard Beal and uh, and uh, Joel Embiid. That's a, I mean, I agree with you. There's so many scenarios that can still play out. The good news is literally one week from now, even less time than that, we are going to have our answer. You know what I mean? So we're not going to be yes. having to discuss all this trade talk. Let, let, let's wrap up on this, Mr. Paul. Uh, looking at what Sean said in his piece, the couple of other teams that were mentioned, it's in the end of the article, uh, just some tidbits. First team you mentioned, Atlanta Hawks. He, Sean says that they've been the most engaged with the Sixers in recent weeks. That's according to his sources. And I'm quoting here. He said, the sides have discussed a framework around John Collins, a nice piece, Bogdan Bogdanovich, also a nice piece, and some draft compensation. Uh, that's according, again, to his sources. What, what would you think of that? Is, is that not attractive enough for you at this point to say, okay, get us Collins, get us Bogdanovich. Maybe for Simmons plus, you know, a, a role player could be, FERC could be, you know what I mean? Danny Green, depending on how the numbers would work. Is that something that would excite you? So I'll put it to uh, say two different things about it. One, when we're talking about possibly getting James Harden and then we're talking about that Atlanta package, let's be realistic, Jazz. Like that's that's a pale in comparison. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like like and this is why Daryl Morey has held out and has not taken those packages because you never know what happens with these other teams in these other situations. And it's there's a chance here now that Daryl Morey's patience could be rewarded. So that would be my first point is to say the reason you don't make that John Collins deal is because that maybe Ben can still land you that bigger fish down the line. The other part of it is I don't I just don't love the idea of uh, John Collins. I like a lot. Um, and I actually really like him next to Joel Embiid. You could sell me on that because. Um, he greatly improved your rebounding, which is a huge sore spot. This yeah. team is completely devoid of athleticism. Collins makes up for that in a big way. He can stretch the floor a little bit and, and step out and hit a three. Um, he can attack a closeout. Not, you know, he's, he's not a guy you want with the ball in his hands a ton, but he can pump fake, get to the rim and, and draw contact and get to the line and hit free throws. So I, I like Collins. The problem is you, you're still paying Tobias Harris an awful lot of money and he can't go anywhere. Um, and Tobias Harris is a four, no matter you know, we already kind of played this game, Jazz. You weren't here for this, but we all kind of already played this game when Al Horford was here and Twice Harris played the three and it kind of didn't, that movie didn't end well. So I'm not really eager to see that again with all due respect to Tobias Harris. Like, I, to me, I would be hesitant because of that. If there's a way, and I, to me, that explains why, as we've seen reported, that that Maury was trying to attach Harris in that deal because it just doesn't make sense. Those two do not fit together when we're talking about um, Harris and Collins. So uh, would I have interest in that package? Sure. It, it, it like, you know, in a vacuum, I would, but we're not, you know, but this is when we're talking about Tobias Harris and how that fits. I don't think that would make any sense. See, I, I love Collins as a player as well. He also shoots 40% from, from deep this season. So gives the Sixers a, a boost there in terms of from, from the four, although Tobias has been shooting much better uh, since the since the new year started but looking at this too like 
again, I mean, that does that move the needle? Is that does that elevate you above a Brooklyn team, albeit the Nets are struggling? And let's not forget, as Shams pointed out in his piece too, the Nets 13 and three when they have Harden, KD, and Kyrie. So obviously not a no slouch there, even if all three are healthy. So it's like, does that put you over the top? And if Daryl Morey's stance on this, which it has been really since we started talking about this uh, leading into training camp, and he started making his first public comments, which is that, look, I'm trying to get a star in here and extend the championship window, not only for this season, but beyond. And that, again, as much as I like Collins, I know Bogdanovich is another good shooter, a pretty good outside uh, perimeter defender as well. But again, doesn't really move the needle in terms of athleticism the same way that Collins does. Now, Shams also mentioned this, Paul. He talks about the Minnesota Timberwolves. They've remained in conversations, uh, says that they're unwilling to meet Philly's high threshold for draft picks, but would be willing to take on Simmons and Tobias Harris's contract. But again, not coming with a ton of draft capital. Does that, I'll just say it first for, for my end, Paul, like that doesn't excite me at all. D'Angelo Russell, yeah. even if he was included, like, I don't really give a crap. I, I don't think he's that great of a player. I think he's okay uh, behind Anthony Townsend and Anthony Edwards as a, as the third option. Yeah, you might be able to sneak into the playoffs, maybe challenge a higher seed to a sixth or seventh game. But Again, I don't think Minnesota has the pieces to be a legit contender, and I'm not, you know, reinventing the wheel by saying that. But again, that Minnesota package for me doesn't really do anything. What about for you? Yeah, I, I get where, like, why the draft conversation is where it's held up because that's what it would have to be. Any deal with Minnesota, you'd have to get a lot of draft picks because they're not going to give you Towns, they're not going to give you Anthony Edwards. Um, so then, yeah, you're talking about D'Angelo Russell or you're talking about a combination of like Patrick Beverly and Malik Beasley. Beasley so yeah. it, to get it, it I, I would be I would honestly be OK with either of those play, like getting those player that player package in return. But, yeah, I would need a ransom. I, I would need a king's ransom of picks. And, and I, I could see why Minnesota wouldn't want to give them up. Um, it, it would have to be something of like what the Nets gave up for Harden. Like to, for me to take that little of a player package in return. I would have to do that now because like I, I could see theoretically Russell fitting here and actually being a pretty good player here. Um, and then you also would still have all those draft picks that you can move and then, you know, make perhaps a bigger trade down the line. But yeah, I mean, Beasley and Beverly, same thing. Like I, I could, you could, you know, I could definitely see Beverly being a really good fit here. Uh, Beasley has like a microwave score. He's kind of had a tough season, but if you're attaching, I don't know, like four first round picks with that. Yeah. Th then you got my attention, but if you're only talking like one or two, then you don't. And if you're saying, Oh, well, we'll take Tobias Harris, but then we're not going to give you any picks. No, that does nothing for me because Harris, listen, Harris is overpaid, but he's not a nothing. Like he's not, a, this mm, isn't John wall. Yeah. who's just sitting at home. Like this Tobias Harris is still playing basketball and he's still, you know, he had a pretty good month in January. He's still a decent player. He's just not a max player. So yeah, to me, that Minnesota deal, unless you're including a ton of draft compensation, I have no interest. Uh, yeah, I'm with you. And I, I think the, the Timberwolves being mentioned as a possible destination have always been the least intriguing of the trade partners we've heard coming out from the NBA insiders. Like, again, you know, the, Shams reiterated this, that the, the Kings have pretty much all made it clear that they're not going to be in on Simmons at all anymore. I would have loved to see a package of Tyrese Halliburton plus some draft picks and, and making the contracts work, maybe Harrison Barnes. Uh, anything like that. But again, that seems like that ship has sailed. So to me, my focus, if I'm Daryl Morey, and I think everybody is with me on this is let's try and get James freaking Harden from the Brooklyn Nets <laughs> and, and see how far we can push this until the 11th hour of the trade deadline. If not, maybe try and work out a deal 
with the Wizards to try and see if you, if you can coax them to, to part with Bradley Beal. But again, this whole thing, we're going to have another week or so to talk about this. It's exciting. Paul, thank you. I know you're, you're a busy man. You have a newborn kid. So thank you for taking the time out to hop on and, and dissect this for us. And looking forward to hopefully discussing a James Harden for Ben Simmons deal at some point in the next week or so. That would be very nice. I would be a fan of that. I'm not looking forward to this 10 o'clock start tonight, but uh, but yeah, I'm looking forward to the, the, the resolution of all of this next week. Yeah, I don't think I don't think anybody really cares what the Sixers do tonight because everybody's been talking about this. So you know, they get they get a they get a pass if they end up losing by twenty tonight. Nobody's uh, talking about it tomorrow, right? No, that's a- absolutely. We're not even talking about it tomorrow. What do we care? Yeah, who cares? <laughs> yeah. All right, that'll do it for this episode. Uh, thanks for joining us. Don't forget as well, subscribe to Liberty Ballers Podcast Network. Always appreciate a five star review if you're inclined to give us one. Uh, as I mentioned, Paul Hudrick does a great job with our site at libertyballers.com. We have some. Great writers there as well, including Jackson Frank, Steve Lippman, Harrison Grimm, Tom West. I can go down the line. Uh, Everybody does a good job. You don't want to miss our website here as we get into the final week before the trade deadline. Uh, Also, if you missed it, this is an emergency pod, but Sean had the Talking About podcast. That was published earlier. Uh, Dave Early and him talked more about the Sixers at a macro level. So don't forget to check that out as well. And the Gastroenteritis Blues coming at you on Sunday. That'll do it for this one. We'll catch up with you all next time. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.